Let's get officially started, right? Um, well, welcome back to BJJ and Brews. It's been a very long time, actually, since we've been recording. I actually got, I, I don't know whether it was just coincidence or serendipity or the case was, but literally two people texted me between the hours of midnight and 8 a.m. this morning about what's up with the hiatus. Literally, like, I got one from Rich O'Toole, so shout out to Rich. Um, who's a good friend of Dylan's, actually. Okay. okay. Um, and so he's he's been bugging me and, and elbowing me for a long time to get Dylan on. And um, John Estrada. Who you do you know John Estrada? Uh, the name rings. Yeah, he's East Orlando, recent most recent black belt. Okay. Day. Yeah, I think I saw pictures. Um, so they both reached out to me in the same day, and I told them, "Fear not, <laughs> I've got something lined up. I'm, I've, right. I've got it with, with a with a very very special guest of mine." Well, that's a good thing that people are like missing you. You know, in, in, in the day and age of life goes on, like that you have people reaching out is a good sign. It's, I mean, it's funny because like John and Charlotte was like, is it the blue belt or blue or purple belt blues with the podcast or what? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I mean, like, I, you know, it's, it's really, I mean, it, it, it didn't sign up for a super fight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know what, you know, so let, let me ask you, let's start off. So I, I'm here today with Scott Gillis, um, are a very dear friend of mine now for... Eight years going on. Nine. When did you move here? Uh, 2014. 2014. So eight eight years. Yeah. Right? Twenty. Yeah. Going on nine. Um, you. It's interesting because you, you're unfortunately getting ready to move again, and you did the exact same thing to where you're moving as to what you do, you did when you came here was you immediately sought out a martial arts school. I most certainly did. So like to me that speaks very dearly to the heart because like that means you're you're a martial artist first and, and you hold it to be a big part of your just being. Um, explain. So I was not like we're gonna take it way back to like the Carter administration. Like literally? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I no, was, it was like, Carter Reagan. Yeah. And Carter, then Bush. Okay. Yeah. Right. So like it was the Carter administration. Uh, I was in second, first and second grade or so. I was getting bullied. Uh, my mom finally took notice of it and was like, "You like?" She took me to a kung fu school. And, uh, Which is like that's that's the thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah it's yeah. like Bruce Lee movies and yeah. yeah so like, yeah. and well, she noticed that I watched a lot of kung fu with David Carradine at home, and I would always emulate what I would see, you know, on the show. And she's like, I wonder if like that's actually a thing out there in the wild. Literally, it was like down the hill from my house. So. <laughs> Um, next to like next to an old like smothered between like a, a package store and an old they used to call them drug stores like and this one was like old kicking it old school with like the was like the, a, with like the ice a cream shop in front yeah <laughs> like, yeah. A, like a soda jerk yeah dude <laughs> if you want to talk about like nost like nostalgic Californian quintessential like this this place was it so this old kung fu school was right in the middle of it and you know she went in and had a word with a guy and signed me up for lessons and I got to keep those lessons for about a year until, like, you know, that paired with my mom would drive me to and from school as opposed to walking, which is where I got my butt kicked. Um, so you were literally bullied when, yeah. when we think of Karate Kid style. Yes. Okay. Yes, it was not good. It was, like, five fifth graders, and I was in, like, second grade. So, and it got, it was just ugly. And, uh, 
I mean, I, I guess now looking back, I'm flattered it took five fifth graders. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay. Like, I couldn't have held, like, I wouldn't have been a good paperweight back then. But, like, so, like, I got rides to and from school. I'd get taken, you know, to my lessons, like, three, four times a week. I'd practice in my room till I was, like, drop-dead tired. Um, and then my mom picked up a job so she couldn't drive me anymore. And, uh... It didn't take long for word to get around. Bullies met up again, and this was like like one of the last days of school, and they they got me before I could even get off of school property. Got held on either side by two of them. And here oh comes God. the ringleader. Yeah, and he was like, "Were they wearing skeleton costumes?" They great. should have been. Uh, <laughs> I was I was petrified. So I just threw a front snap kick, and like that kid dropped like a toilet seat, like hand like hand to nose. Blood coming through the fingers, screaming. Which really? Got, yeah, which got the attention of some faculty. He went to the nurse, I went to the principal, and uh, that was probably my last Kung Fu lesson, was the last one I had previous to that incident. But I mean, so you. So it worked. It did. It did, right? It like, absolutely did. And it, it gave you the confidence. So how many months had passed at the point? About nine. Nine months? Take, yeah. Really? So nine months allowed a second grader to moderately effectively stand up against bullies yeah i mean like the physical physically i i I did well um because like that sold the rest of those kids off of continuing anything because a they're watching their friend be they imagine like a teacher's coming um but like psychologically like I was so, like, I think I went from fear of the bully to the fear of the consequences, so, um, <laughs> which, you know, is, which is a, what a natural, natural yeah, tra- like. transition, but, um, my, like, my yen to learn never died, Yeah. and I mean, like, I was pretty diligent even after I was pulled from lessons, um, so, the, so you were pulled from lessons because you, first off, you were put into lessons because you were getting bullied. When said lessons were effective in preventing further bullying, you were pulled from said lessons. Yes. Yeah, so for fruition, I got pulled. Which is interesting. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I mean, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, well, I am a parent now. I, I just, it's interesting the way parents' minds work in that sense, right? But, yeah. So, so, kung fu effectively. Well, do you remember what style it was? Like, I mean, I mean, you were like. I remember, like, the dude was literally like he looked like an extra out of a Bruce Lee movie, like like Pai Mei, like super, like (laughs) not like the Fu Manchu mustache, but like, like definitely the handlebar with like the sweep, the sweepy early eighties, late seventies hair. And like he had on like I called them pajamas at the time, like and he had his sash all tied up. And, really? Oh yeah. And, and what this state guy, was this? California. This is in California. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, land of the eccentric. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah, liked it's, it. It's, but, I mean, it's it, and were, were there many Chinese yeah. or Asian-looking? There were kung fu instructors and whatnot. There, there were just not at my school. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this dude, like you know, he, but he talked to me and like he, like he bought into whatever story my mom told him and. Like, and I was grateful, like, I, like, the last time I saw my mom back in April, she lives up in Boston now, but, um, last time I saw her back in April, uh, we talked about it, and I actually told her for the first time, like, what it meant, like, I understood, you know, 
in, in hindsight, like, why? My mom's a very not violent person. She was hoping that I wouldn't be. Like, you sign your kid up to learn this stuff, never dreaming they'd actually need it. Right. I was that anomaly that needed it. So, you know, which was fine. But, you know, but so, like, I would practice fairly diligently even after I was pulled until I got relocated to like the so Seattle you remembered area. like the lessons basically oh yeah of, like kind of yeah reiterated them in your head as I mean you could. like I drilled this stuff every like and I would do it like back when my brain was fully functioning like you know every motion you know really I, oh yeah absolutely so can I ask because as, as you know I'm very anti establishment now when it comes to martial arts what let's say what percentage or breakdown let's let's break down the pie chart of it was functional versus just un let's say dead patterns versus there actual were, sparring like there what? were definitely forms um and because i don't know if it was for my age or just my experience level having like only david carradine like <laughs> experience you know david carradine mockery um but I was kept away from anything like sparring. Okay. Like it was a lot of like I, I seem to remember the first pattern I had to learn was called Han Chuan One. So I don't know. I wish I, I had Google Translate. I know, for right? Mandarin. <laughs> it's, it's, it's for Americanized Mandarin. It's, it's probably Google like <laughs> confidence builder for Guaylo. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, like you know, and I didn't see any formal training again until like two moves late you know two moves which i mean speeds us ahead to like 1986 oh wow so there was yeah. a, quite a bit of a gap a little bit uh well, actually it's only about four years but like i mean that's that's you, you're in a black belt in that amount. or well, no you're in, in the, a purple belt or so they're about area, yeah. you know well in so. the mcdojo i would have been like a fifth fourth degree, degree. <laughs> teacher classes at that point, right? <laughs> exactly <laughs> junery you know but uh you know i didn't i guess like there was a correlation between like was i having problems socially like bullying sure and do i need this element in my life that's how that's the lens i'm sure my parents looked at like kind of viewed it i missed it and of course like the mid 80s was like you know kung fu was still to be found on tv bruce lee movies would be featured you know sporadically throughout yeah you know. I would say on TNT but cable didn't exist yet right like we had was... one of the four channels that was available yeah. um, pre, pre-dating cable TV um, but then we get cable like, and then they had shows like Sidekicks with Ernie Reyes Jr. and then they had like The Master with Lee Van Cleef uh, so it's Lee, wow that's a dipping that's a little that, into that, the obscure a, wow, wow okay um, <laughs> wait wait Ernie, so Ernie Reyes Jr. Ernie Ray Senior or Junior? Junior. This, he was a little, like the little boy, right? A little munchkin, yeah. Not so much anymore. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny because I actually just saw a um, some video with him. Oh, it was Nick Diaz. In or no no no, which is the other one? Nate, Nate Diaz yeah. in his training camp is training under Ernie Reyes Junior. Yeah. As one of his striking coaches, which is pretty surf ninja. Get you right? Right? Like I'm like, <laughs> what? Like. 
He's training professional MMA fighters now, so like I guess we all can sort of yeah. make that. Tyron Woodley is training second best fighters in Cobra Kai. So this is true. I mean, has come full circle. You know? I mean, he's getting beat up by drunken dads, which <laughs> and is losing awesome. Fingers. I just finished that, so like, oh, I was dude, glad I glad I didn't. Oh no, 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 you're, you're good, you're, 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 you're good, dude. I, man. I so I, I started episode ten this morning. Oh wow! So you really just I had it. to finish. I'm like I gotta watch this on the way home. Yeah. So I'm like I, I you know I, I, this is <laughs> barring me. <laughs> I'm like I have it hanging on my rear, my uh, rearview mirror like <laughs> like watching it on i four as I'm driving home. It's a, a dash cam officer. Yes. <laughs> Stop worrying about me. Worry about that guy. That brawl with the ponytail guy. The um. <laughs> but so yeah, like oh man, like that that twist ending. Yeah. Because uh, I watched the, the beginning this morning. I was like, no! <laughs> Almost a redemption story. Uh, right. And then, like, at the end, I was like, oh, that motherfucker. Yeah. Like, well, they're, you can tell they're kind of starting to run out of plot. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. But um, anyway, so, so, so you're Ernie so, Reyes Jr. Ernie Reyes Jr. And then, of course, like, the karate, speaking of Cobra Kai, yeah, karate exactly. kid Ooh. comes out. Right. Yeah. See? See what we did there? I, I totally forced got my way into that like segue um, but uh, yeah so like you know that came out my parents had signed me up for like a YMCA karate camp for a couple weeks here and there so um, this is really interesting because you've seen I'm I'm ultimately an 80s but let's, let's call me really a 90s kid right fair so my I would say people of my generation are really more Ninja Turtles which leads in the van Damn, yeah. which makes you backtrack to like Bruce Lee and that sort of stuff, and then you kind of like catch up to more Van Damme and then like martial arts. Yeah, movies at sixteen thousand movies, straight to DVD. Billy Blank's awesome. Right. American Ninja, uh, you know, all that, all that good stuff. Only the strong, the, the yeah, 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 like so. That's like where like I would say my generation comes in. So you actually saw the martial arts evolution from actual like exploitation. 70s, yeah. Like why Carl Douglas made Kung Fu Fighting? Exactly. Yep. And I mean, you and you saw where Karate Kid entered the picture and influenced it. So have you always just loved martial arts? Yeah. You know, it was some like I wouldn't have been able to articulate it in this way back then, but I really feel like it was a challenge to be met. I think, like you know, with you know, when you're a kid, like you only have a limited thought capacity, so like things don't extend beyond a certain point. Yeah, you so, want like, snacks, playtime, and I wanted a black belt. I wanted a black belt. Okay, all right. Yeah, all right. Like, so, I saw Karate Kid, and I'm like, that's what I want. I want a black belt, and like, but to me, black belt symbolized like the end of learning. Like, right. you've achieved your black belt, go forth. Which is a very Americanized, it really kind of view is, of actually. things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. You know, and us as adults now, we, we view that considerably differently. And we're also talking about there's a total like like that that thought process came around when martial arts was actually start like the marketing started to ramp up, you know. So it was like, oh, you could get that blue key. Oh, you can get those foam rubber nunchucks. Yeah. Oh, you can like you can be on the demo team, which is always a oh. But um, you know, just signed a five-year contract. How about this leadership class? <laughs> yeah. Right, like, how would you like an iron arm star for your team? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, you know, so like, you know, the marketing was starting to ramp up. 
so like and my interpretation of the things that I was taking in was like black belt was like the pinnacle there was right. no more learning after that like you're a master and whereas now like in our in our culture in the jiu-jitsu culture you are so not done learning oh my god you know yeah, like, so you know I kind of operated within those you know mental confines of like I just want a black belt you know um and I took the like I was a bit of a martial arts scavenger you know I did what a lot of other martial arts enthused children would do and like I'd see like the Van Damme movies and I'd see you know all like the poorly dubbed kung fu movies and the you know and like the master and all this other stuff and like which was the master the master was Lee Van Cleef he's he was actually a big spaghetti western so guy he's, he's and he's like, the guy with like the white hair yes. balding okay yeah and he was all, and he was always fighting Shoko Sugi who was like his ninja classmate like is this some white savior shit like no this like, is definitely like because Shokasugi, to me, is Revenge of the Ninja. Yes. Okay. Same guy. Same guy. Like, this was like, we're talking like, when that show was on, it was like 82, 83, 84. This is a show, not a movie. Yeah, TV show. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, like, if you if you type it in on YouTube, like, like The Master, Lee Van Cleef, I'm sure you'll find a clip or two. Okay. I might even find some full episodes. But, like, it was Ninja. It was such a departure from what you would think. Like, <laughs> Gunslinger Lee Van Cleef is now, like, Chuck and Ninja stars. So he was, just to clarify, he was of the generation of, like, Clint Eastwood gunfighter? Yeah. And then yeah. he somehow... <laughs> like segued into yeah ninja guy and he waited to get like these more active martial arts roles like when he was like you know AARP eligible yeah, which I found, like, like, he's like old that's right? the confounding yeah, yeah. thing he was old then you know so I'm like holy crap guy but like you know but it was that it was that like the flash of the weapons the swords the stars and now it's like oh I want to do there's something very exotic about that it's alluring you know because like am I getting into the deep spiritual like aspect of the martial arts no I'm I'm seeing the flash and I'm at the perfect age that that's all I see yeah you know so then it became more of that it was like I had no need to defend myself against bullies anymore so like I moved on into the flash of it you know then martial arts do other shows I'm sure I'm drawing a blank on in movies it's like oh it's a good way to impress like girls as I'm aging into yeah, 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 like it. <laughs> you know, like, you know, oh, I'm a black belt, you know, or whatever. I take this style or that style, you know. Um, I mean, I scavenged about three years of Kempo lessons at Parker Kempo. I remember you saying that. So I, I was going to ask you about that because you, I remember you specifically saying, um, I think when I was teaching kickboxing, or I, I, I so just to clarify, I use kickboxing, Thai boxing, and Muay Thai synonymously. That's fair. To me, they're all the same. Um, as long as it's not Thai, but we're fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I was teaching class, you took one, um, when we were at Winter Springs, which we'll get to at some point. And I remember you specifically saying Ed Parker's Kempo. Yeah. Ken, Kenpo, not Kempo. Yeah. So at some point you found that because... It's for his contemporaries. He was very ahead of his time. Well, well yeah, because he. Or he. I mean, he's contemporary with Bruce Lee. 
from my understanding. What he did with um, what's also known as Chinese Kempo, Tracy Kempo. And you're um, how old at this point? I'm, when I started I was about 14, 15. Okay. So, and I took it all the way up until I went into the army, which was like mid seven, like mid seventeen years old. Okay. So, which is a fair. I mean, that's a that's a that's a fair amount of time. A, a fair amount. Yeah. So like that's like. And I was like leeching off my buddy who was like an orange belt, like which is like in the first three belts of the system. That which I should point out, like so Ed Parker's American Kempo is. In so this is legit Kempo. Yes. Like 1.0. Shared this like I I went to demos and I went to like events where Ed Parker was in the same room as me. Oh really? Yes. I did not know that. Yes, I've been in the I've been in rooms with Ed Parker. Uh, senior, um, like Richard Planis, they call him Huck Planis. Um, not Jeff Speakman. Sorry for you. He, guys. He's a little young. Though. Yeah, I mean he's he was a black belt then. Yeah, but he's he's a good like. He's in late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, yeah, he's he's, like, he's an is, up and comer at that point. This right? is like, like he's not the Jeff speaking now. Yeah, like Perfect Weapon came out in what like ninety three. Yeah, 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 that's like which so, is we'll have to discuss that later. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's a fun conversation. But like I scavenged and like. How did you come upon Ed Parker's Kenpo? Uh, I knew a third degree black belt who went to the local place. My parents, like, so tying off the ninja phase, like, I used to cut out, like, throwing stars out of sheet metal in middle school. Did you really? And I would just fucking, That's kind of awesome. I'd like, freaking deal them into my walls. Wait, is this a part of your shop class? Like, yeah. Really? Yeah. And they're, they're not like, okay, kids, today we're going to make weapons. <laughs> you know, like, no, that was just me doing my little side like, these hustle. are flowers. <laughs> I made them out of metal. I made them out of that like sheet plastic and like milled all the edges and like awesome. And I was like, I had an arsenal. But um, what I would do is not think and like I'd throw them against my wall in my bedroom. And my parents were like, Where did these 2,800 holes come from? <laughs> this is plastered up. It'd be fine. And they're like, No more karate for you ever. <laughs> so, and they did. Like they fixed my room. They were pissed. But, um, yeah, so, but, uh, so I started scavenging, and I worked at a restaurant, like, I started working at 14, which okay. I shouldn't have, but I did. You guys doing all right? Yes, okay. we are good. Um, and, uh, and he's like, he's got I really, Velma from the Scooby-Doo gang thing going. Jinkies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, okay, I'm, I'm probably old enough to be your dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes me her really yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. uncle. Uh, but, um, yeah, so, like, the price of admission. Noah, cut that part out. <laughs> yeah. Edit. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll catch that on post. But, um. <laughs> So, like, my, the price of admission for me was, like, I want to drill everything on both sides. The guy's name is Chris Feldman, and I cannot find him. And Chris Feldman. 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 Like, yeah, like, and, uh... Like, Corey Feldman. Yes. Oh, maybe, perhaps he had some strange... Well, I never have seen both of them in the same room. So. But, uh, so this guy would, like, he's like, I want to drill all my techniques and, like... 
on both sides. And this is the guy who's like an orange belt. No, this, that was my buddy, my best friend. Okay. This is another guy that I met through the pizza kitchen that I worked at. Okay. At 14. At 14. We would literally... Completely legal, by the way. Yeah. You got his up to and everything. So, absolutely. All above board. Um, so, like, we'd go in the back parking lot and just... Oh, we had a banquet room, so we'd drill in there, and when okay. it was summertime, we'd drill in the back parking lot. I'd have, like, bruises everywhere. Then I'd call my mom to come get me. <laughs> so, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, working. You know, so, like, I hid it from her for a good long while. Um, and he actually, like, promoted me, because he could. He's a third degree. So, he's like, you know, but... So he got me up to the level of about second degree. Really? Yeah. Second degree black belt? Yes. Really? Yeah, like I was doing like long like form six. Um, wow. Yeah. Like like I had I had memorized and thanks to him I memorized them on both like both left and right sides. I would like a I'm gonna pause this right. So, so you've been promoted to secondary. Thank you so much. So, and the, well, the way he did it was uh, bomb pop, by the way. All right, uh, yeah. Let me know what you think. I'm digging the bitterness of this one. It's the Bloody Mary uh, one. A little weird. Um, All right, it's got a funky I mean, color it's, to it's, it. I mean, it's unique. I'm, I'm not a sour guy. So. I love sour. It's um, it's better than most sours I've had, but it's it's. Sours are good, because yeah. see, that's how they get you. But yeah. yeah, so this guy, like, he didn't go, okay, you're a yellow belt, you're an orange belt, you're... Well, he would just train me and train me and train me and train me, and it's like... Until I feel where you short are. One, long, very, one, short one, long one, short two, long two, like, uh, short three, long three, four, five, six. You know, this set, that set, finger set, kicking set, blocking set. Like, and of course, like, there, if you count them up, there's over 200 individual techniques that you have to learn. There's, like, 12 from yellow, from white to yellow, and after that, there's 24 between, like, yellow to orange, orange to purple, purple to blue, blue to green, green to brown one, brown two, brown three to black, and, and moving forward. And what happens at around the purple belt is they recycle everything from white to that point and like give you variations of them. They Which is what you should do, to yeah. be honest. Like in any good martial arts because like Yeah, so like five swords was, you know, very you know very it's one of still one of my favorite techniques because it's just you can just pepper somebody off a single like round punch, you know, and step in and just jam them up and just pummel them. Um, but like the variation of it, like included like throwing your like bringing your arm up and throwing your body weight in, like riding your arm right up, right up the side of their face, which helps off balance them as you're moving into them. And then you can like drop an elbow into the rib cage to kind of complete their backwards. Fall. So. Please, uh, so um, not not to get too into the weeds with martial arts styles, right? Like, which I, I tend to do. American Kenpo was I, I I I've tried to learn as much as I can about it. Ed Parker didn't call it a martial art. He called it a martial science. Right? He did, and his and, and Ed Parker's American Kempo in and of itself is not a style. It's a system. Okay. Like let's Tai Kwon Do is a style. 
like where it's more like yes you have like your pumses or your tie cooks that you do and you have your one and three step sparring yes. and like there's set belt requirements how do you know that by the way I also took tie you also did oh okay we'll get there I guess right yeah that's actually that's actually what my recruiter taught me my recruiter was my instructor okay so and I'll tell you a really bullshit story about that but but um so we're like the system is very structured and like while Ed Parker was like a very big he's very big on innovation okay like there still had to be a framework in place sure so like you know like if if you look there's a there's a patch or a design that you can get that's associated with Kempo and it's a circle and it's got a lot of linear I'm familiar with the, and like and it looks like leaf petals you know and then yeah. there's some more rounded like sweeping circular like and it's all imposed in the same circle and those are meant to signify all the motions like you know it's everything it's which way you're facing to like you know strikes you know yeah so you know everything because they have round punches there too you know so and, and it's meant to encompass like all the motions there there are and in, incorporated into American Kempo like I really love it for the you remember this from 30 plus years ago yeah uh, could I do it no. <laughs> like, but no. but it, but it's it's but the, made an impression on you, obviously, yeah. right? Yeah, like well because and this is the first this is what I'll say and I'm not bad mouthing any like discipline out there. But like feel free to, I do all the time. So. But the, like unlike Taekwondo, I mean Taekwondo, um Kempo focused on like principles. So like it's the concept behind the movement. So this is what you were learning at that early yeah. of a stage? Interesting. Yep. Okay. It's like, ow, why is my lip bleeding? Or ow, why is there such a why is this bruise so like it's such a deep purple? And he's like, Oh, well when I did this, it caused you to move forward and like as and you move forward as I brought my elbow in. That's borrowed force. And that's how I learned. Huh. Very painfully. Um, but like, you know, so and then like why why you're able to strike so fast and Kempo, you know, there's a concept called economy of movement. It's like, it's basically the like the Ed Parker equivalent of bang for your buck. Okay. So it's like, how, like, how well were you able to scale down the movement and keep maximum effectiveness? Because he he did he wasn't a big like if you notice like a lot of Kempo forms there aren't a lot of like high kicks there aren't a lot of sweeping like big open air sweeping movements it's all kept very. You know, tight yeah. yeah, you know, so it's it's a great close quarter system um, for that reason. Uh, there aren't a, a lot. There aren't jumping kicks at all. Like you'll see stutter steps or like something like like it in certain forms, but you're not doing jump spinning outward crescent kicks. You're not yeah, that's doing, a very you know, it's not showy. Like it's showy when it's time. You know, it's like what up, guys? What's what up? up? What the hell? Hey. Chris Cruz, sit down. Sit down. Get, get, get. Hang on. Hang on. No, I'm taking my food. No, hang on. I appreciate it. We got a we got a cameo appearance for Chris Cruz. Blue belt, almost purple. Oh no. Nice to meet you. Muay Thai fighter right here. Muay Thai fighter. What? 
What? She goes by Mighty Mouse. What? Does she really? So this is awesome. Hey, yes. Wait, hang on. How often do you come out here? How often do I come here? Here. I come here to take four of seven pills to go all the time. I love it. Bro, you're you're the next interview. My man, my man. Hey, oh, 6 a.m. baby. Nice meeting you guys. Have a good weekend. I'm glad to hear he's still training. Dude, he that dude is awesome. Yeah, I remember him from uh, Castleberry days. Yeah, baby. He's um he's he's cool. Uh he he gives me a hell of a time. He's got that he's, he, he, that, that lineage, baby. Yeah. Um, handsome fella. Yeah, he is. Handsome fella. Um he is astonishingly good looking. Um but so you you you've gotten your base from Clearly, like this made a huge impression on you to move forward with martial arts, right? Like, oh, most certainly. So, so let me ask you then: How many styles overall? And I don't want to use the word styles, but how many systems or whatever uh, have you tried? So you might be the more of a martial artist than me at this point. Like, I will never, I'll never lay claim to it. <laughs> um, so kung fu, as we know. Um, I took Kyoku Shinkai for a little did bit. Did you really? I did. Where? That was like three weeks in like... Because that's a... a I mean, like, you gotta really... That's a bow-breaking stuff. Yeah, like... But um, I, I, I literally took it for three weeks. I shouldn't even claim it. Um, hey, you, you did it. So. It, was, it was through like a recreational type program. A um, recreational Kyoku Yeah. <laughs> there, there is... That there, there, there does not exist. I mean, like... I'm gonna throw a huge asterisk on that claim. Like I was exposed to it. I didn't okay, take yeah, yeah, it yeah, fair enough, fair enough. on orders from a position. Like I, I saw it. It was taught by like a 55 year old chain smoker guy. <laughs> like, like literally, which makes it even more legit. Actually, yeah, like, but, but like, it's this this guy who you think would like get like wheeze his way up a flight of steps could like really yeah, land. Yeah, yeah. So like, so Kyokushin I was exposed to. Um, Ed Parker's Kempo was the problem, well, up until Jiu-Jitsu was the, the thing I had been most exposed to. Um, then from there it was Taekwondo, because my recruiter was a black belt in Taekwondo. And Which, uh, everybody in this bar is a black belt in Taekwondo. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Like, anyways, like, yeah, yeah. You know, which, you know, long about that time, the best of the best had come out. So, like, good, good positive Taekwondo marketing on that. Um, but, like, it opened me up. I mean, a moderate shot did do the commentating for that. So. There is that. There, there is nothing that. If you, can, if you can draw that level yeah, into of, your movie, you're uh, doing all right. right. That's like this legit. <laughs> you know? but, um, and James Earl Jones was the head coach. Yeah, Darth Vader. I mean, yeah, like, how can you go wrong? You know, but um, so Taekwondo. So I did Taekwondo for about a year while I was enlisting. Um, got up to so there's WTF and ITF. Yes, um, I'm, a, I'm a WTF guy. Okay, so. so well, my recruiter was ITF, and I will. There will be a there will be a um, a return to Taekwondo later on in my martial arts journey. Um, so. Like he, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was ITF. Uh, did that for a while because it was like I can't remember the names of the patterns that I had to do. Hogways. Uh, yeah, I think so. It was like Chunji. Like I can't remember. Like I think I, the first one was Chunji. I think it was called. So I, okay. So, but I, but I, but I did that because he made me. 
Um, and by that time, like, I had lost my Kempo instructor. Like, he literally went into the wind, and I've never seen or heard from him ever again. Really? Yeah. Like, he got into a fight with his mom, who he was living with, because he was, like, early 20s. Okay. And um, he got into his Camaro Iroxy, ironically, and did a long job and, like, never came back. So he's Johnny Lawrence. He is. Like, he's literally Johnny Lawrence. He's face down in a a sea of empty course banquet cans (laughs) in a shitty apartment. It's a good beer, though. Let's get real. I'm not going to dunk on banquet. But, like, so he just took off. Like, he, like, and that was literally the week after. So how he promoted me, like, I never, under that, like, like I did all the stuff to meet all the requirements. And finally I looked at him and I was like, like, what belt am I, like, right now? And he's like, I don't know, what belt do you want to be? Why does it matter? Why do you care? He's like, are you absorbing that's, this? That's very, uh... That's a very higher level thinking that he... Yeah. Which okay. Is, which for is, a guy who... So the... In, drove the, a Camaro and drank Coors Banquet. The incongruous, you know, the incongruity <laughs> of, like, his behavior, like, and how he departed to, like, kind of what he was teaching me was really weird. So, like... You know, but like finally he's like, all right, if it matters that much, like come to my house at, uh, on this Saturday at this they, time. They do like a ceremony, right? No, he drilled the shit out of me for five, like five hours. Really? Yeah. Okay, all right. He's all like, right. do it this way. Now do it backwards. Now do it on the other side. Now do this. Now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do this. And like, I'm ready to throw We need up. to find this guy. What? We need to find this guy. I know, right? I like, even in the, like with, a, with all the internets I have, I still can't find this guy. Guy. He, I've asked him, he exists. I'm, oh, I know he does. I hope he does. <laughs> so, like, and he comes down and he brings me a black belt with two red stripes on awesome. it. Awesome. That's awesome. So it's a it's a black belt with two red stripes. Red pieces of tape. Or yeah, he had. That's all he had. Like, okay. you can get much nicer ones. Is um, that is that a is is it's tape or yeah, is that like embroidered? Well, like expectation. You can get like felt. Like degree stripes okay, on, right. put on. He didn't have that, and like, like this thing was like, it was like threads. <laughs> it was like you could see that there was it was black at one point, but it was threads. And he's like, all right, here you go. And I'm like, I just sat down and like wept, you know. And I went like, and I had to hide it because my parents didn't know. Right, so right. like, I tucked my belt under my shirt, went home, and it sat in my closet forever. Do you still have it? No, come on. I had Are you re- serious? Yeah. So, oh and my god. Little, like, so I had a down moment in my life where I was, I had no fixed address because I was living out of a vehicle and somebody stole it out of me. Oh my god. I'm like, you, you know, you can't beat anybody up with that. Like, you don't absorb. Yeah, like, like the belt. It, 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 it only covers two inches of your ass, right? Like exactly. That, that thing, right? Like so, like, but like that, my class ring. I lost a bunch of stuff, but obviously. Things have improved since, but uh, so he awarded me that and considerably. Like, Thank you. Yeah. So like, and within like a week or two of that, like he pulled his disappearance. Like he went straight Kerouac on my ass, and like that's crazy. I haven't found him since. Oh my god. Like, but then my Taekwondo, my Taekwondo recruiter, um, he tried indoctrinating me, which was kind of cool. Like I kind of scuffed at it a little bit in the beginning because okay. I'm like, this isn't like I can beat everybody's ass here, and. Uh, 
because you know teams think that way. That's how you. That's the currency. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's literally the, the yeah. Like and the, it was everybody from like kids to soccer moms to other people he was enlisting at the time. So it was like a mixed class. And he and he would tell me like on all my trips to do military stuff, army stuff, he'd be like, yeah, okay, we're gonna like this class. I don't want to see any of that Kempo shit. Like don't. Like you, you so there's there's a little thing in there that you forgot to mention. Oh, enlistment. Oh yeah. So I got talked into doing that. Uh, on explain. Got talked into. I got talked into. So we had a kid who didn't. I was at a private school at the time, like a boarding school. Okay. Like, have you ever heard of the world according to Garb? Or I, I, I'm familiar. With Cider House I Rules. That familiar. Okay. So. My wrestling coach from that academy wrote those. Okay. Like he's his name's John Irving. Actually, his son Colin was the bully, chat the bully in Chet Poet Society. Okay, that, that I have seen. So okay. yeah. So, um, so awesome movie. We had a kid that was. Or book. It was a great book. Um, so. We had a kid that lived in town but didn't go to that school because, you know, they love to put, like, these prestigious schools in, like, exceptionally not well-to-do areas. Like, I don't know, for contrast or something, but, like, I was a student there, and this kid from town who was high school didn't even have a wrestling team, got to wrestle with us so that, like, colleges could look at him and maybe get a scholarship. So, and I'm the only guy that would, from my school, that would even talk to this kid. So he's, you know, is it because he's because he's, like, he's a townie? Yeah. yeah so like yeah, yeah, he's yeah. poor, and we don't talk to poor people. They don't talk to. I did. So like we're on our way to like Exeter for a match, and it's like a several hour trip from our ca- from our campus to there. Exeter is in Virginia, New Hampshire. Right? New Hampshire. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's either in, is he, wherever we were going, we we're going to New Hampshire. I know, it's not California. Like, it might be Exeter. It might have been Phillips Exeter. Academy? Yes. It might be I, Massachusetts. Okay, I, I, I just know a girl who went there, and I don't remember where that was, but and it was gone. But, uh, so, like, we had several hours on a bus together, and he's prattling on about something, and, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to boot camp this summer. I'm like, boot camp? For what? And you're how old? I'm 17. Okay. I'm, I'm actually just about to turn 17. The recruiter's like, ah, <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah. So like, my my recruiter's name is Dennis, and he's really cool, and he teaches Taekwondo, and I'm like, that's nice. And he's like, yeah. So like, I'm gonna go to boot camp, and they're gonna give me all these uniforms, and I'm gonna do all this stuff, and I'm gonna shoot M16s, I'm gonna learn how to march, I'm gonna do that, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, you wanna go? I'm like. Like, he invited me to sign my life away like one would invite, like, a childhood friend to have an overnight sleepover. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure. Let me talk to my parents and see if it's okay. And my parents literally signed the waiver for me to enlist at 17. Yeah. My dad's like, it'll grow him up. Here you go. Bye. <laughs> I'm like, shit, all right. So I'm like, mom says I can go. So I did. Um, and I was driving tanks before I was even trusted with the family car. <laughs> so... Like I'm like yeah, well, Dad, the Volvo's lacking a 105 millimeter main gun, so whatever. But um, yeah, so like that 
put a stop to my martial arts training for a while. So like, I mean, you got to real martial arts though, right? Like, yeah. like the actual definition of martial arts at that I, point. Yeah, kind of. Although I did get to beat up a West Point cadet. Like, so, how good did that feel, by the way? Oh, uh, is that some elitist motherfucker, by the way? Yes. Okay. Like, I mean, you like, can always, you, should we leave this in or? Should yeah, we? absolutely. No. Yeah. You can, yeah, yeah, you can yeah, always right. tell a West Point grad because you can see his ring while he's picking his nose. <laughs> so, but no, like these guys, like they, they're cadets and they come down and they, that was Scott, by the way. I did. I did was, not. I, I respect yep. all. That was yeah. all me. I'm, my address is never mind. But, um, <laughs> come at me, bro. But, uh, <laughs> I'm a little pussy. Just like, 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 let's, let's clarify, right? Like you, you will defeat them with a the look of Abbott. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I developed that. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so they come in, and they kind of rain hell upon us because, like, we'd already been there a few weeks, and, like, we were doing what's called line training, which is, like, the hand-to-hand combat stuff. Okay. Now, this is before hand-to-hand became this what it is MCMP, now. This is for MCMP. No, this predates all of that. We're talking 1990. Like, it's hammer time, not Micmap or, like, no UFC. Like, okay, this is like Aikido bullshit, right? It's like, like it is the world's worst judo ever. Okay. Like it's like, ah, you know, and then like <laughs> grab, and then punch, he does and this, then turn, and, then, yeah. and then like crank on his arm. Yeah, we were already getting VA disability before we were out of basic training with what they having us do. So, but like that was it, and these and these guys kind of flooded off the bus and decided that like. And, like, one of them made their way over to me and my partner. I can't remember his name. And, like, he grabbed my partner away from me, and he tried to demonstrate the proper way to do it. You know, because the drill sergeants had been teaching the class. And, like, he really hurt my partner. Like, you know that there's, like, oh, I got thrown, and that was a little uncomfortable. And then there was, like, and then there's, like, he's hurt. Yeah, Like, he's not getting up. Or he, like, you see that look in their face. And I'm, like, you know... Cadet, whatever. He's like, you know, you call me, sir. I'm like, not, not today, not today. Like, you're over here hurting like trainees. So he got. Did he know he did? He he probably did, but he wasn't at the point of being willing to admit it. Okay. So then, like, which is a terrible instructor at that point. Like, yeah, like that's the definition of a. Okay. And he hadn't even been teaching. The drill sergeants had been teaching, and they all just stepped in to like create chaos where there was no need for any so like so this is like a three stripe blue belt teaching class this is like a college senior like calling themselves professor like that's what this was like no real world experience maybe they saw some shit so this is four stripe white belt teaching class yeah okay all right fair enough this is no this is the guy on the week three trial teaching class so like, yeah, so, I mean, let's give this a two-week trial. Yeah, that's about as much credence as they're getting from me. So, like, now the drills, like, tensions are tensions are flaring because, like, I'm bound to not show my ass because I'm in basic training. I'm a private. Here's this guy who's supposed to be, like, an ostensible authority figure. We have now caught the attention of the drill sergeants who are making their way over now. And now, like, other trainees are starting to circle around. Drill and this is where? This is at Fort Knox. At Fort Knox, okay. So, and this was back before, like, I don't like, I don't like going all, like, last hard class on people, but, like, this is back when, like, the army didn't give a shit. Like, you handled your business. So, like, this big old, like, this big old drill sergeant comes up, and he's like, I see we have tension. 
Good to go. This is how we handle shit here, cadet. Um, take off your blouses. You are no longer cadet. You are no longer Private Gillis. And if you can't get along, get it on. Which yeah. I mean, like... I'm kind of not opposed to I mean, maybe that's like some toxic masculinity in me, right? Like some 80s Van Damme the only red reason, pill stuff. The, I mean, only like, reason I, the only reason I didn't feel painted into a corner is because a circle had formed. Okay. I was in a corner. I, there was like, it was either like you show had no up. Choice but to. It was like show up or, or you know. Get you're the fuck gonna, out of here. Really. Or, or your name's on the front page. So... I won't go into the gory details of it, but let's just say I offered the cadet a complimentary lesson in Ed Parker's American Kempo. So hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> I would consider Ed Parker, or just, let's call it Kenpo 1.0. I would consider that a traditional martial art. Which, for the most part, I'm allowed to. Yeah, you can. I poo-poo on traditional martial arts. That's fine. Would you say that had you not trained it, you would be in a very dis- different spot at that point? I would say take away. You want to take away just Kemba, or you want to take away all of it? I want to take away just everything. From my understanding point. of the training methodology of that time. Okay. I would say that I would. Given my ex- my exposure up until that point of like kinetic, like fighting against someone else, okay. um, I had none. So I my chance I would have been just as likely that as not to have had a favorable outcome in that situation. Okay. So, but because I had been had the brakes beaten off of me by Mr. Feldman. I felt more than adequately prepared. Really? Like, yeah, so like that nervousness I had as a five, six, seven year old kid back in California no longer existed because I trusted what I learned and I understood it better than just monkey see, monkey do. So it was like, oh, okay. You know, because like, like I said, there's a limited room for flexibility in Kempo to where you can modify something to fit the situation. Like sure. all your strikes and all your concepts are the same, yeah. but it's just practical application. You know, so it's like, oh, he moved this way, so I can't do what I was going to do here. What's available to me? Oh, I can throw an elbow or I can lift a knee. You know, interesting. Okay. You know, I, I that, that's very. That's very contrary to my belief of, or my my understanding rather of Ken Fakrati. I, you know, the thing about it is, it's like, because I see, for example, just to backtrack a little bit, when I think of Kenpo, I think of very extensive one-step sparrings. Very, um, that's the techniques. That Those are those techniques that I okay. mentioned earlier. So it's like, oh, okay, you throw a round punch. All right, so I want you, to, based on that and your belt level, I want you to execute five swords. I want you to, to do shield and hammer. And I want you to do 
whatever else would apply to that particular strike. So it's so from that standpoint, you would be absolutely correct. And like and when you're learning it, like it's absolute. You do it the way you were shown, just like in Taekwondo, where it's more like you learn through your pumses and your taigooks, like all your, mo your your motions, and then like in sparring, like in free sparring, like it's you apply what you've learned through those forms to, to actual combat with someone else. Yeah, and that's where I think the progression of Taekwondo breaks down. Yeah. Very, like, to the nth degree, because there's nothing in Kumse that translates directly to not the even, combat that's practiced. Not even a little. Not even like, a little. The over-accentuated, like, I am not, like, if I'm blocking They don't even kick, punch in Taekwondo. That's, and that's my ultimate problem, right? So, yeah. so you're, you've been able to apply a certain amount of Kenpo in a live situation. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, and of course, I got the expected result because I was up against somebody who, for all intents and purposes, had zero exposure. Right. You know, so it was like, you know, if that guy was a third third round, I might have had a, a worse day. That day. Okay. So, and that's, I mean, and I, of course, now I have the benefit of, like, retrospect I can look back and reflect and be like wow you know if he'd have known X Y and Z like maybe things wouldn't have gone my way that day so would you say in defense of actually traditional martial arts that some training is better than no training some some sub optimal training is better than no training that's a great question and it's probably a lot more complex than you think because I think that's a like I think the answer is situationally based like, if you've got somebody who's spazzing the hell out and you're just trying so hard to adhere to, the, to that little bit that you know, you could get hurt. Yeah. You know, like, you know, the guy who's been doing three months of, like, Tang Sudo, you know, you might get a kick in on the guy. You might even block something. But, like, beyond the point if this guy isn't relenting and, like, and you've kind of, like, exhausted your repertoire of what you know, like, it kind of could be in a bad spot. So, but, like, if you do something that's a bit more absolute, like, it's like, oh, no, I, I brought a hammer fist down his nose, and, like, that that was it for him. And I learned that in week three of Tang Sudo. Yeah, yeah you which, know, which is very interesting that you mentioned that, but go on. So... Which, by the way, that's what Cobra Kai style is based on. Yeah, I, I, it's yeah. funny that you mentioned that because, like, I had noticed early on from watching. So when Cobra Kai started, I went back and rewatched all the Karate Kid movies, and I noticed that Terry Silver was using Korean terminology, which I was very familiar with because I did 11 years of Taekwondo. Right. I was like, wait a minute. Like Shijak, yeah. <laughs> that guy is not a karate guy. No. So it, yeah, he's definitely a Taekwondo guy. But but then they disguise it as Tang Sudo in the most recent uh, iteration of Cobra Kai. But but Tang Sudo, I believe, is Korean karate, right? It, like it's it is. it's karate that was brought to Korea and then they modified or. Or assimilated it to however they... Not knowing its entire history, what I will say is, 
you know, now in the day and age of YouTube, like the world's at your fingertips. Yes. So like having experienced the Taekwondo and it's like remembering like, you know, Ejon, which is like one of the first forms you learn in WTF, I think. Or maybe it's uh, ITF. Kicho forms are, are WTF. But okay. uh, I, I don't... But it's like half steps and lower blocks, step forward, punch, you know, turn around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, the first forms, form yeah. in Tang Sudo is like... I would love a... Can you surprise me? Yeah. Is there anything that you absolutely don't want? Like a sour or an IPA? Or like, is there anything you're like, no? Um, avoid the most bitter beers, right? Okay. Surprise me. My dear. What's the name on the tap? Uh, last name, V. Okay. Uh, I'd love another Bloody Mary. Okay. Uh, Are you guys on the same tap or separate? Yeah. He's making me... So, but, uh, so like, so the Tang Sudo first form mirrors almost perfectly the Taekwondo first form. I so, like, color me surprised, <laughs> right? I mean, so, like, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm like, so like, I guess if I spent a couple more hours like really analyzing, like watching the forms as you progress through the rank structures of each, like I might be able to pick out slight differences, but like, I'm. As, as of right now, today, like, I couldn't tell you the difference outside of, like, you actually have an open front gi in Tang Sudo where <laughs> yeah. you're wearing the dobok, like, this shirt. And yeah, like, it's like a V-neck sweater, yeah, maybe, a V-neck yeah. uh, hoodie. Because um, so, when you got lessons at 7, but you got family photos at 8. The, so you, you've progressed a lot in a very... That's like four different styles in a matter of 12 years. And I'm not even done. Where... I mean, you learn... Let's, let's call them combatives in the military. Yeah. Because you've actually served in two different branches. Yeah, I have. And you started in... The Army. Army. Yeah. Okay. Moved on to the Marine Corps. And the How middle. long were you in the Army? I was... Well, by the time I, by the time I left to go to the Marine Corps, it had been nine years. Is that a is that a common thing? No, nah, it's not really. No, like I don't know anybody with as many like DD two fourteen forms as I have. Like, what do you like? What? So you were in the army for X amount of years. How many? How long? Well, in total, uh, fifteen. Like in the military and as a whole, fifteen. In the army specifically, uh, fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. So. Your from the age of seventeen to fourteen, you're thirty-one. Yeah. So, well, I had a, I had like a thank you, thank you. Um, I had a bit of a break because I got hurt and got out of the Marine Corps where I wasn't, and I had a space where I wasn't allowed to reenlist for eighteen months. Okay. And then, like in that eighteen months, is when nine eleven actually took place, and that, like, by that time I had been in the army for nine years. Okay. I'd been in the corps for a year, and I went back. Wait. You're not concurrent. It's not the same time. It's not. Okay. Right. No, I had. I got. I broke my right femur in the core, and I had. Yeah. Like they don't mess around. You broke your right femur. Correct. Running. That's it one broke of itself. the strongest bones in the body. Not in my body. <laughs> <laughs> so, ah, let me salute. Do the full one. There we go. But um, that's jalapeno. Whatever the jalapeno one is up there is is is, is it good? It's it's one of the more unique beers I've had. Okay. 
Uh, it's, I don't know how to take that. It's okay. So, like, I try not to add a moral component to things. Okay. <laughs> it is not. It's unlike anything I've ever tasted. Unconventional. Yes, unconventional. Which, which so, can, like, it's, it's not good or bad. It's just. It's it's left open to interpretation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very unique. Um, so you were in the military. You were in the army first for 14 years. Well, all told, yes. So, like, from 90 to 90 to very early 99, um, I was in the army. And then from early 99 to 2000, I was Can in the Can I court. ask you, um, I've known you now for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. You, you present to me to be the least military person I've ever met. What we should you, spend more time together. What kept you in the military? Well, as hard as this may be for some to believe, I actually really believed in the notion of the United States of America that had been presented to me where everybody's like equal and good inherently. Um, it's a very good ideal, by the way. It is. Um, you know, I, and, I, I, I mean, being a first generation American. And like, and that, and the notion of standing ready to do violence upon bad actors sure. throughout the globe. You know, whether they come here or we go there, that's what we usually this get. This is a, where the disclaimer comes in yeah. for Noah. Um, uh, well, you know, we're, we're, I guess. Not, not all opinions uh, reflect the. Uh, opinions do not reflect those of the DOD. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever, right? So, like, but it, it, it very well reflects Scott, which I, yeah. I happily. And it, it very well may reflect the opinions of Chris Boo. So. Perhaps. Yeah, so. Um, but, go on. but, like, so that was kind of the broad spectrum answer but like on a per- on a more personal level um, like the bullying stuck with me like I was okay. always the smallest kid in my class up until a point I was the youngest kid in my class uh, I wasn't particularly scholastic and I hadn't which been, is very surprising by the way I evolved <laughs> as we should right like as we, as we should so and I wasn't athletic so like I, I wasn't a jock. I wasn't like a bookworm. I mean, so I had nothing going for me, and I was always told what people felt I couldn't do. Like okay. I mean, right up to enlistment, my initial enlistment in 1990. Like when I started talking about it in late '89. Um, like I had classmates, because keeping in mind I'm still in high school. I had classmates going, Gillis, you're gonna get killed in your first week of boot camp. You're gonna get, you can't do this. Like you're gonna wash out. I'm like, really am I now? So like, I went in, like I was handed a chip to, to carry on my shoulder to prove them wrong first, and to prove secondarily to myself that I could in fact do it. Which, I mean, in retrospect, I really wish I hadn't looked at it that way. But things were what they were. Yeah, and and they are what they are. Of course, right? like there's a difference, right? Like, you know, yeah. and it's funny because like you know when when Facebook came out, like some of those same people that were saying those things. Wow, you were able to kind of, yeah. Okay, all right. you know the opportunity, you know the opportunity to shut it down like presented itself, like to kind of give it back, and like by that time I was to the point of, hey man, like we're all teenagers, teenagers are assholes. It's math. Yeah, you know, it's so, literally it's yeah. You know, so it's so like you, 
I feel like you know, in the world, you do well to not even if even if it's justified on paper. Don't give back the bullshit that people give you. Don't pay it forward to people who didn't deserve it. And if as much as as tempting as it may be, don't give it back to the people who gave it to you. You got that's, that's how you rise above it. Where did you? Is that a martial arts thing? No, no. Uh, maybe in part. You know, it's kind of like. It wasn't until I was training with Chris where I was introduced to martial arts, the system, but he framed it with like everything you learn get, like adds to you a responsibility. He's like, I'm teaching you how to completely disable and even possibly hospitalize somebody. You need to you, you need to be judicious in where you apply it. Like, so on paper, like, what I did to that cadet in the pit that day was... Is this hand-to-hand, or is this, yeah, like... Yeah, this is hand-to-hand. Okay. Like, and I didn't do anything, like... Like, I definitely... Like, I let him know, like, when I was when I was dealing with the cadet. Like, I hit him hard enough to let him know. Oh, it's like the... I got a heel look on you. You look at him. Yeah. Make eye contact. <laughs> like, tap, maybe? <laughs> yeah. All right. okay. So it was kind of like that. Like, he... Like, I didn't want to hurt him, because I didn't know him. You know, I just wanted the the nonsense to stop, right? You know, and it did, obviously. Um, you know, drill sergeant stepped in, so okay, it's enough. Get shit on. Like any of you know this shit? Well, you don't from the here on out. Like you don't know any of that shit. Right. I don't want to see it again. You know, and they didn't. But no, I think I I want to say large in part it was just you know experiences I've had that really showed me it's like look. Every time I act a certain way, or every time I, like, like, right down to, like, how I view certain things, and if I vocalize that, like, it's, whatever energy that carries, like, because it's, it's real easy to knock somebody down. Like, I could pick anyone in this room and find fault. Like, it's like, oh, her hair color sucks, or whatever, you know, just being trivial. But, like, if I put that out there, and I mean it, like, that's gonna come back to me at some point. And it has. Like, I came out of the Marine Corps with a chip on my shoulder, and life... Why do you say specifically Marine Corps? Well, that's where the biggest break in my service was. So, like, I got, like, the... Like, yeah, I was, like, I crossed the line between, like toughness and stupidity and like I tried to carry on on a broken leg until I literally passed out from the pain like until literally my body just shut down and like you're done so but I went home like manly man barrel chested first the fight very still very kind of programmed to be the, the tough guy's tough guy which and part of that image is to look down find fault view people as superior treat them as inferior you know and what I got out of it was I got divorced uh, I, 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 I don't know if you're comfortable talking about this is that, is this, I didn't realize Melissa's here. second second marriage I did not know that okay. yeah so I got divorced uh, and I lost everything like right down to living in a pickup truck so for a while and I had to like as with a lot of things in my life I made what I refer to as a sunrise decision 
it's like I woke up one day and I'm like, I'm tired of this shit. Steps need to be taken. And I gotta start turning things around. Where did you get that um, approach to solving problems? I think it just always lived in me like that. Like I've, it's always been a part of who I am. You know, I went through a lot. Being an analyst by nature, it took a lot of self-examination to realize that I wasn't putting it to work on myself. You know, um, you know, it was like I would act, I would say, I would think, I would do, and I wouldn't analyze any of it. Like it was like I'm just, you know, what I need the I need the space to be able to do this and whatever, however the chips fall, whatever. You know, and more often than not, like that sh wasn't working for me. Like it was like something's got to change. You know, now granted, like where I'm at in life now, it's like I have to. It's more of a fine tuning. So sure, it's like I've laid the, I've I've established the baseline of like you know, I'm gonna run into somebody who's different than me, one form or another, thinks differently. You know, acts differently. Look, you know, looks differently. Whatever. I've got to iron out. Like, it's like, what it, what value do they bring to me? Like, how do they improve my life? And once I figure that out, it's like, okay, well, I'm gonna give credence to that. Find a way to reconcile the things that aren't lining up. You know, and if there are more things that don't line up than do, well, then the healthy thing to do is to like. It's like the alphabet says, "I come before you," and and that's and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right, right. Because you know, because it's the flip side too, right? Like well, there's they there's they are entitled the same. There's the inherent health of a decision, and then there's the optics of the decision. And the optics are all, like externally, they're, they're external, so it's always going to be it's always going to look worse than like the shit that the, the people making those judgments see. Okay, so it's like well. I had to step away from this person because this was the effect they were having on my life. So I had to, for my own good, I had to step away. Or, like, I met this person who's so great that I have to have them in my life. So I'll act in such a way that they never have to question the value that they bring to my life. That's an awesome view of things. You know, so, thank you. Um, you know, I've had my struggles. You, you've known me in, in, in our early, in our early years of our friendship. Yeah, 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 you've right. watched me go through a lot. Oh, more than I would ever imagine. Like in, in an individual that has gone through a lot. Yeah. In, in in eight years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then like, and then you tack on the whole previous forty some odd years right, yeah, prior. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a lot of weight. But like, I'd like to think. I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely, a, I'm the same person I was then. I just have a lot of bug fixes. Okay. You know, um, you know, I, I actually breathe and analyze now, and like, and look at the bigger picture, which I wasn't doing back then. And like, you saw how like keyed up I was. I was really, like, everything would set me off. I'd rant for ever. You know, but in all truth. Like, now that, I, again, the benefit of hindsight, like, it's like, boy, those things, like, weren't as, like, earth-shattering as they seemed back then. So, so it's like, all right, well, what could I have done differently? What will I do if I see something comparable to that situation? How will I handle it? 
you know, so now, like, and, you know, which is a great segue for jiu-jitsu, by the way, um, living in, like, almost nearly constant discomfort in jiu-jitsu when you've got that guy, like, bearing down on your ribcage and side control, it's, it's like, like, the, like the, the guy on the trial, like, panics, and his breathing's all jacked up, and he exhausts himself just trying to get out of there because all he wants is out. Like, with no thought of what comes after that, right? I'm to the point now, it's like, okay, I'm here. Accept it. Analyze. And then do what something about belt it. What level are you then? When I made this transition? No, when you... At what point did you realize that this is what it is? Oh, white belt, hands down. White belt, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, because... In life, though. What, in what, life? What did it... What, what belt level are you what? in life where it took you to realize that? You're not going to like my answer. Okay. It was a white belt. A white... Oh, that's... I, I don't like that answer. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. I grossly don't like that answer. But I'm, go I'm, on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you please, why. Go on. Because... And I'm going to explain it. Um, in three years, I'll be a white belt. Okay. Because, and I will remain a white belt because, even though I've done that analysis and I've done like that dead reckoning on past situations, I don't have the guarantee that I will remember the tool sets that I built because of the past situations and apply them in the future. Like, I'm just as likely as not to botch it again. Because That's a fantastic mindset to have. There's a fine line between, like, being honest with yourself and acknowledging the weak spots or the areas where improvement can thrive and self-deprecation. And I desperately needed to push myself out of the ladder. I saw that. And, like... Because I don't have to put my name to that. I'm, I'm, I'm analyzing a situation. Yes, I'm a part of it, but I'm analyzing a situation that's like, I totally missed, like this was missed. This wasn't dealt with while this all was going on. So what, what to do next time? Well, when you see these things start to build up, look at that. I can literally write that for myself and then hand it to you. You know, and say, well, when I went through this, you know, this is this is where I failed, and this was the result of that, or this is where I succeeded, and this is a result of that. Like I can, I can, you know, I literally did it today with a friend. Shouldn't of mine. that put you at minimal brown belt though? Some somewhere along the way, somebody yeah. told me belts don't matter. But if we're gonna stick to that as a parable, I, I at this point my life consists of. Oh, you're right. <laughs> this, I guess this is the the true black belt in me, right? Like everything relates to jujitsu. Mm -hmm. So I I grade everything in life on a five point scale. That's fair. That's right. Fair. So like to me the under the the point of what is like you, you don't know what you don't know is like white belt, right? Like mm -hmm. blue belt is like you. You, you know what you know, but you know that there's also a lot that you don't know. Right. Purple belt is, I know what I know, plus I know what I don't know. I need to work on what I don't know. Right. Brown belt is, I'm working on fucking everything. Right? 
and black belt is I know what I know I know what I'm good at I know what I don't know and I, and I recognize that I don't know but I will continue to work at that right there's, um, there's always that constant like with all the promotion ceremonies I've been to like there's always like whenever a black belt is awarded like there's always that one person like more often than not that is like this is like they're either told or they acknowledge it on their own like this is just the beginning that black belt is the beginning it's like well what the hell did you call the last eight years like what yeah, is that yeah, yeah. It's, like it's, was that the was that the teaser trailer or what like no but like and, and in a lot of ways it is my first non-charitable tap was as a white belt against the brown belt all because he got me um, in the rear, like he got me in the rear mount. Yeah. And he was just about to sink a choke in, and I happened to look down and see crossed ankles. What do you think happened? I took advantage of that shit. It's amazing how well that works, by the way. And that's why I'll always be a white belt. You know, because it's like I watched a guy who has years of experience, and this wasn't a ham and agger guy. Like this guy was at class consistently. Like he didn't eat, live, breathe, sleep it, but like he was there consistently enough. You know, and I found that on him. Yeah, it was a luck. Maybe, you know, maybe had I not looked down, I but luck is it. ultimately what preparation meets opportunity. Right? True. Like, yeah, true. true. Like you were prepared. Yeah, it was like, oh, let me try something because I'm otherwise I'm just gonna tap for the 85th time tonight. So and I tried it and it worked. But like, even as a brown belt, like the whole like as it pertains to the philosophy I was saying earlier, like as much as you know, as well trained as you can be, and this is this is me as a person, this is me as a former warfighter, and this is me as a martial artist. Like, I am just as capable in each of those domains at forgetting a key piece of something that, something important that I learned along the way that could have made a difference in a given situation. So that humbleness and that acknowledgement of that possibility of that forgetting or that misstep or saying that thing that shouldn't have been said... I feel more comfortable in a white belt space. Does that make any sense? Yes, absolutely. What um, what brought you to jujitsu? Um, because I mean, like, let's let's get real, right? Yeah, like, let's do it. Jujitsu is, in in my opinion, at this point, um, in almost 17 years of training, plus 11 years of Taekwondo training. Um, Jiu-Jitsu might be the ultimate martial art, in my opinion. I think I've learned more from Jiu-Jitsu than in any other martial art I've trained, which I've only... Actually, I've trained less than you. Um, but I think the most life lessons, yeah. the most... And maybe it, it's that way just because like I approached it, or I, I encountered it at a far different point in my life than childhood, right? Where I've been able to... Um, absorb more of the lessons out of it than anything else and and grow the most with it what, what how how where did you come upon jujitsu what has it taught you more than anything and why do you i, I at this point like I, i've trained more jujitsu than any martial art in my life 
and I, I consider myself a, a jujitsu player, right? Like a jujitsu, jujitero, or the fuck uh, the jujitero, or a jujitsu, jujitsu uh, whatever. That, right? like, so like that's 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 what I identify with when it comes to me being a martial artist. And that's fair. Um, what what? So unsuspectingly, my first exposure to it was the reimagination of um, the line training I talked about, the hand to hand, which then became combatives in the in the late nineties. And I was actually becoming a drill sergeant at that time. So and like this is after how many years of nine? Uh, nine years of mar- or not martial arts, uh, military. Military, yeah. So Service. nine years of the army. I was I was just they were making those changes. They were making big sweeping changes. Like, Damn, you you've encountered so much paradigm shifts. I am a combat scientist. Like that's awesome. But uh, but like that's where the martial, like the the grappling, really like there was so like like I would try to t- like I was trying to say like the stuff I went through the hand to hand in the nineteen ninety was like the world's worst judo ever, right? It was very primitive and it was very like by the numbers. One, two, three, you know, kind of thing. Well, this is where combatives like re- replaced. And when year is this? Uh, this is now two thousand and two. Like right after 9/11, I went back in. So very well past 1993, voice crazy. Yeah. So like somebody had watched a few UFCs and somebody managed to do like a hair of research and said, you know, like that, like pre, like that Cold War shit isn't gonna cut it. And so I was training. I was training UFC. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Yeah, you missed the air quotes. Um, so I was training UFC, bro, um, before I even realized what it was. Okay. Like, I had watched the first couple with noise, and like, it was literally a mix of martial arts. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, truly no holds barred. It hadn't yeah. become what it is now yet. Yeah, we're, we're, the point at which MMA is not a martial art in and of itself. Right, it hadn't been, like, formalized. Yeah. So, so like, I'm doing it because I'm, I have to. You know, I'm learning it as a drill sergeant, or got like, like introduced to it then. Uh, Marine Corps martial arts, MCMAP hasn't hadn't even been thought of yet when I went through the corps. So now, like, I got hurt, I did my time out, I re-enlisted after 9/11. And by that time, like they had fully implemented combatives in the army. Okay. And uh, which is also jujitsu based. It is jujitsu based. It is um, very little striking, like very little. So like it's but it's like ninety eight percent grappling. So so I'm doing it. Is it really? Yeah. So I'm so I'm doing it. I'm not even realizing I'm doing it until I go to like soldier so-and-so's house and he's got UFC by that time it might have been 80 something 90 something back in like 2005 2006 um I lost, I lost track of the like the iterations of there's it there's a lot of UFC uh, it's, it was up there Brock, Le- Brock Lesnar hadn't even been a part of it. It was still like um, Chuck Liddell shit. Okay, so, so like this is like this is like blue belt UFC. Yeah, right? I'm Dan, Dan Severn kind of. Yeah. yeah. So like, and I'm, I'm like, holy shit, that's the stuff that we do like every Wednesday. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, okay, so that's an actual thing. 
you know, but when I got out, got out of the army, I got away from it. A few years passed. I turned 40, and like life isn't kind. Like I got arthritis. I started getting sure grades. Sure isn't. No, not even a little. <laughs> and I had, sure isn't. And I had my first major cardi- cardiac event. Like I went into AFib and like was about to have a heart attack at like, work. Like literally. Yeah. Okay. Like I'd gotten big. I was out of the army. I wasn't PTing anymore because things hurt on me. And the doctor's like, you need a you need a physical hobby. Like he's like, I'm not running. I'm like out. He's like, well, how about you know? He threw a few suggestions out. I found jujitsu on my own, and I was like, so your femur is repaired like, somehow. Well, this is like when I turned forty, it was like twenty. 12 so we're way ahead of the femur like way, or way past that at this point so like I'm, I'm in and out of the army it's like I got out of the army in 2006 because of a broken spine I got kind of blown up not really shockwave long story but I had a broken back that I didn't know I had and it just kind of manifested from a stress fracture to a full break it took almost a year to do because I just I kept going and I never let it heal. So, like, how much of that is the machismo that not forced you? But well, I'm not going to elaborate on it too much. But very early in my career, led to decisions that I made throughout my career. Okay. Um, in about '92, '93, I was like 19 or 20 by then. Um, I had an opportunity to uh, have a, and I had a by name recommendation from 19th Special Forces Group to go to SFAS and then like summarily Q course and get my Green Beret. And I tra- like I had I actually our Green Berets are Army, Army yeah. Elite, yes, okay. yeah, Special Forces, Special Forces. Okay. So. I was attached to uh, the ODA out in uh, Providence, Rhode Island at the time. I guess they've since moved to Cape Cod. Like, there's a joint base out there. Uh, but they started out in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, and I would go train, do train-ups with them in preparation for SFAS, which is like Special Forces Assessment and Selection, so, which is like a three-week kick in the teeth um, to see if you have what it takes to make it through Q course, which, depending on your specialty can take anywhere from 12 to 15 months. So months? Like, yeah, like over a year. Like a year, a year to a year and a quarter. Like if you're, I think it's like if you're a medic, it's like 15 months. But if you're like a Bravo, which is like uh, like a weapon specialist, um, it's like 12. You gotta go through language. You've gotta go. It's through, still a year. Yeah. You have to learn. You have to learn a language. You have to learn medical stuff. Uh, you have to go through like a bunch of tactical training. You have to go through SEER school, which is like uh, survive, evade, resist, escape. It's like prisoner. It's like how to be a prisoner of war and get the hell out of it. So I never made it that far because right about right before orders got cut, I chickened out. I was like I I was so afraid of failure that I I scrapped the whole thing and went back like tail like tail between my legs, hat in hand, back to my infantry. Unit and said, yeah, you know, not I can't do this, you know, or I'm just too afraid to fail. But the mentality of training, it's like, what I learned about myself is like, there's injured and then there's hurt. You can do nearly anything while you're hurt. 
it's when you're injured, you gotta stop. You know, so that's what got me. Like my, like I said, my femur broke during a run in the Marine Corps. That break happened, and I know when it happened. It was like within the first quarter mile of my three mile run that I was running for time. My stupid ass continued to run on a broken leg and still finished my three-mile run in 24 minutes and 30 seconds. Holy shit. Yeah, there's a fine line between brave and dumb, and I crossed it. Because, like, like I, I got it to the point where it was a stress fracture, like, technically. There was, like, two toothpicks worth of intact bone to keep it from being a complete fracture. Like, literally, like, I was this close to needing surgery with, like, pins and screws and whatever. So, like, but that's how I approached, like, my training in the Army was, like, I can keep going, I can keep going, I can keep going. I pushed through being sick, I pushed through being hurt, you know, and, like, the broken back happened in combat. I don't have a choice. And, like, we were so close to going home anyway. It was, with, like, two months, within two months of, like, being redeployed home anyway. I was like, you know, fuck it, I'm fine. You know, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Like, my back hurts, and, like, I have to sit down a lot, but, like, or lay down even, but, like, I can still do my job. And I did. And, like, I got, like, a month of leave. Things started to feel better, but then I went right back into the fray, and I created a tempo for myself that kind of remotely resembled that of combat. Like, I just kept myself busy. So I was, like, teaching classes, taking classes, like, I was um, I was basically run, like managing six soldiers as a as a squad leader and like paying attention to their careers and counseling them and mentoring them and I mean that's like that's like black belt level shit yeah I mean I don't like to admit it but your yeah. job is great more black belt yeah yeah like my job and I would tell all my soldiers that just like I told my sergeant major as a private when I first got to that post he's like where do you see yourself in 10 years I was like hopefully doing your job and he looked at me like he wanted to kill me at first but then he processed and he's like alright like the whole other the whole rest of the room like shit their pants cause they're like you don't talk to a sergeant major like that you know, especially as a private. But, like, I kept that philosophy. Except now, instead of speaking to somebody way up here, I'm speaking to people who are just a little bit down here. You know, I had E1s through E4s, and I'm like, look, your job is to want to be me. Like, if you intend on staying, like, you should want to be me. And I should want you to be me because I want to move on. So, like, it's not entirely, like, philanthropic that I'm breeding you to, to replace me. Like, I'm doing it for my own ends as well, but predominantly my focus is you. So, like, how's your family life? Is everything okay in your home? Like, like cleanliness? Like, is everything working? Is your water good? Does it smell funny? Like, do you have your uniforms fit you? Like, are your kids doing good in school? Like, what are your hopes? What are your dreams? Do you want to specialize? Is there a school that you want to go to? Okay, well, then let's work on your PT score. Like, get a high PT score. Like, pass some inspections. Go to these competitive boards. And, like, I would roadmap these guys to like to be more well-rounded and get recognition all building a resume to get to that next step for them and doing so like I'm having my own evaluation report filled out with well he did this for this guy this for that guy and, th and all this for the third 
like he's a squared away guy so like we're gonna promote him and put him over here so and it's the same it's the same thing I may have probably tried that philosophy a little bit early on in my jiu-jitsu career because as a white belt who'd been there for six months which is a long time like no 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 mr. free trial guy this is how you do it you know but that's it's kind of a very whacked out way of kind of paying stuff forward so you know but yeah man like I guess in that I guess I could concede that I was doing black belt level kind of shit there I mean I had plenty more ranks to go before I reached like the pinnacle as far as the enlisted ranks went before I got out but um, you know that helped shape my philosophy too as far as how I like how I interact with people so all of this brings you to jujitsu yeah because you're exposed to it via the army adjacent means yeah right like laterally and then the doc said after my little heart scare yeah he's like you need a hobby and like so I started looking for jujitsu specifically jujitsu yeah I don't know what made me do it like I think I saw Never Back Down or something yeah that was it I was Never Back Down so thank you MTV for making that horribly shitty knockoff of the Karate Kid um so and I found 50 50 jujitsu who by the way is ryan hall ryan hall so and he was literally on my way to work and at that time i worked for the department of homeland security um and literally like he wasn't even like a hundred meters off my route to work so like i'd go there early train in the morning and then go to work um and i stayed there for about a year and then one of his so there's a there's a video it's not hard to find if you type in Ryan Hall jiu-jitsu or Ryan Hall like fight self is it the one that the restaurant the pizza place yes yeah. so like so sitting at that table was one of his good friends named Jacobs so after a year at Ryan's because Ryan moved his place and that's why I stopped going there like it was just now it was out of my way and it didn't fit um, but at that same time Dave Jacobs opened his own place and I guess I got told by one of uh, another former student at 5050 uh, Brendan Rady hey like me and Dave Jacobs are opening a place together like would you want to check it out I'm like I'm, uh, as, it, as it were I'm in the market sure so and I was literally the first person to sign up what belt was he at the time uh, Dave yes third degree third no degree. second I was there first third. he was a second degree at the time um, and you know anybody who does a lot of um, not ADCC what's the IBJJF stuff by the way second degree means you're, you've been to Blackwell for six years there you go um, and Dave was a Dave was known particularly in the refing community in the IBJJF so a lot of opens you may have seen him there uh, Jeff Glover knew him like knew him um, and I trained at Dave's and like where I was taking lessons at Ryan and I will not be critical of Ryan Hall because he also had a guy Seth Smith who did a lot of the teaching of like the beginners which is naturally where I was uh, you know, but it was all Ryan's like brand of jujitsu. Sure. Um, you know, when I moved to Dave's, there was an element that I didn't see at 50 50 
that made it like feel like home. So that was the first academy that I went to was Dave's that I felt like this is home. Like, like I talked Not more just the service that you were paying for. Right. Okay. So like, the quality of instruction was good. You know, uh, the class size was good. The facility was good. The people were of a different brand. Like a lot of more the more competitive-minded people like to go to Ryan because Ryan was competitor himself. I wasn't. Like I'm like I'm just trying not to die. Like I want to be healthy and do exercise and like. It's like it's like walking into a bar that you didn't mean to walk into. You meant to walk into like the Greek restaurant instead. I'm like, yeah, I'm here. The, I'm at the wrong place for the wrong re- for the right reasons. So like, I respectfully left. They were fine with it. Moved over to Dave's where I stayed until I moved here. So I was there for over a year. The best thing Dave did for me was not promote me before I left. I was on the bubble in his eyes. Um, He's like, I wanted to see a little bit more from you. And I looked at him, and I remember the shape I was in, like, when I first showed up today. It's like, even after a year at Ryan's, I was still pretty obese. And, like, my my white belt looked like a a bow tie for a tux. And, like, by the time I left days, because I would go every chance in every open mat, like, my to the point my wife called jiu-jitsu the other woman. And I stood there in front of Dave in my gi, in my blue gameness, like, Kyotera gi, with my white belt on. And he's like, I just, I didn't see enough from you. Like, you were right on the bubble, but I just needed to see more. And I looked at him, I was like, you already promoted me, my guy. And I looked down. And where there was like six inches of excess off my belt when I got there, there was now like a lot more, like a foot on either side of my belt. I'm like, there's more excess on this belt now than there was when I got here. He's like, you know what? Take it as a win. And I did. I went from 230 to like 190 in the year that I was there. And then I came here where I met you at American Top Team Winter Springs. Bless up. Um, And yeah, I still remember when you would open the place at noon. And I remember it was a day where literally I was the only one to show up. And class that day, you were a purple belt. And, and class that day was literally one 45-minute round. Do you remember that? I do. I need to, I need to urinate very badly. Oh, no. Take two. All right. So you, you, I do remember that day. Um, the, the best memories of, of my jiu-jitsu career might be from Winter Springs, which is probably where I did the most growth as a jiu-jitsu player so I, I do remember that um, it was a it was a huge transition for me from being a student to being a leader or an instructor so like I, I remember those very very vividly um, yeah it was definitely a profile and you joined us yep you know and I, and I stayed I don't remember how many months it was before winter springs folded and then like we all kind of went into the wind like the bulk of us ended up at um, at Longwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't think we were at Longwood yet. Like I don't think we had folded yet. And we had that one. This is another memory that'll never leave me. It was not my finest moment. 
was that uh, in-house, and I competed against. I don't even know who it is. I don't. Troy. That was not Troy. I knew who Troy was. That was not Troy. It was some other dude who I I, I could have sworn he competed against Troy. No, it was definitely a blonde guy. He was okay. definitely bigger, but it wasn't Troy. He was a green belt before Troy had become one. Really? Okay. Yeah. And when you and when you tear your ACL on somebody, you tend not to forget who they are. Yeah. Okay. So no, but like I'd watch this kid like get pushed to the point of having to run off the mat and like puke. I was like, oh, like it's gonna be that kind of party. And like, and I don't know what, what I don't remember what happened. Like I waited over two hours, didn't stretch, and all nerves. I was like, who needs to stretch when you have nerves? This is house tournaments, man. And I got in and I just basically held him in lockdown. And you were tabling that. And yeah, uh, I, yeah. And uh, like I just held him in lockdown and like he was struggling to get out of it. And it, he was starting to, and he, I think he'd gotten something on me, but it wasn't. It was a choke of some kind, and it wasn't effective. Like I could sit there all day. I literally tapped because I got bored, and like, but at the same time, like what he was doing wasn't working. But I had literally nothing, like that. I like I wasn't drawing on anything to do, and like so I tapped. We got up. His hand got raised, he got his medal. And like, you shot me a look from the table like, we're not done. And we went and we sat in an hourglass. And he's like, what happened? Like, lay it out. I don't remember. Like, I think that I was, like, I think it really reinforced that I was never, I never got in it to compete. Like, I wanted to do it, like, I, I do jujitsu to, you know, out of all the reasons, like one of them being, I just want to trust what I know and know that it's there when, if I ever need it. And like, I remember, like after some analysis, like I went into a competition and I grappled at a class pace, which you don't do in a competition. Yeah, you know. And that's when I realized about myself. So it wasn't a total loss. It was no, I realized something about myself in that, like, I do this because it's fun. And I realized that, like, competition wasn't my avenue to have more fun. Like, I had more fun, like, tooling around. I'll never forget, like, I went up against Cole when he was still a purple belt. Now, by that time, we were firmly in Longwood. Yeah. And, like, I don't know how we managed to pull it off, but we had each other in, like, like matching heel hooks. <laughs> and, and, like, Jose was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And that was the advent of my blue belt, actually. Because Jose was standing, he was watching me go at it with Cole, like, that whole time and, and watched to see how it ended. And we both get up, we dust ourselves off, we shake hands, Cole and I do. And, and like, Jose pulls me aside, he's like, how the hell is it you're a white belt? And I looked at him word for word and said, how the hell is it you're not doing something about it? Like, I know you're not supposed to ask for promotions, but like, I'm a white belt until somebody better than me decides otherwise. You know, and then like within months, 
like, and I think it was like close the closeout of uh, 2015. Yeah. I got my blue belt. Still have it from Jose. Yeah, right. still have it, and I'm still a blue belt. But that's of my own doing. You know, like if you look at my jujitsu journey longitudinally, I'd had the very uncommon good fortune to train under somebody like Ryan Hall. Uh, equally, I think, it's fortunate to train under Dave Jacobs. And now I'm here at American Top Team, who, like, so far as I knew, bred UFC champions. You know, regardless of where you found yourself, what location. You know, and... It was just like it was just like once I established that I wasn't a competitor, it was fun for me. And like for whatever reason, like I don't know why, but like belt started mattering because I was like quality, quality and quantity of what you know should be enough, right? And the funny thing is, is that like because you know my condition, like I'm an old guy, my knees are shot to shit thanks to the military. My back shot. My speed's gone. So I have zero takedowns. So you and I would go to black box every now and again. Yes. Where I would occasionally engage in the judo class with Glenn. And I fell in love with it. And then, like, as Glenn would move further and further and further away, making it more inconvenient to get there, I looked up the local, like, whatever local place I could find, Sasaki's happened to be it. Not knowing the story behind the Sasaki's at the time, signed up, explained to him everything. It's like, look, I'm old, I'm brittle, I just want to learn this. And my mentality that I didn't share with them or anyone else for that matter was, I'm going to do this for long enough however long it takes for me to get like five or six good like throws trips sweeps I'll which is all you really need ultimately right, right. Like, and I'll yeah. get good at like two or three of them like they'll, they'll, like two or three of them will be like my bread and butter and then I'm out so remembering that at the end of 2015 I was promoted to a Jiu Jitsu Blue Belt here we are in the year of our Lord 2022 about to close that out still a Jiu Jitsu Blue Belt and the guy that went in to learn a few takedowns is now a judo brahma. That's awesome. So, and that was from what year to what year to get uh, that? I got that in 2019. 2019, okay. So, and I stopped because, like, I actually had permanent damage in my neck from judo. From judo? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I will, I, I, I'm, I'm the first to say judo is a far more brutal sport than. Yeah, like the gentle way my ass, like there's nothing gentle about it. Like, yeah, when you're, when you're hitting people with a planet, that's exactly, there's, there's nothing gentle about that. No, like the only, I, I will say like it, it, it matters who throws you though. Like, yeah, yeah agreed, agreed, right? Like, like, so, like, the only times the only times I never got hurt by being thrown was by a third-degree black belt or higher. And not only did I not get hurt, they're so proficient that I didn't even feel it. So there's a guy, uh, Dave Fukuda, who intermittently shows up at uh, Sasaki's. And he doesn't teach, I, I but he's definitely there. Um, and Professor like, Fukuda, actually. Professor Fukuda. Yeah, he taught me a thing or two. Uh, a, it is like going up against the mahogany statue. Um, and B, so like 
forget me. I go, it's, it's my turn, and like he's the only one available. I'm a white belt at that time, and they were still in Winter Park in some warehouse. And like I'm going, and I like I'm being cautious, but I'm like going as hard as I'm able. And I thought I had something lined up on him. And all of a sudden, I just hear slam. I'm like, oh, somebody got jacked up. And then I opened my eyes and saw the ceiling. It was me. I got jacked up. I didn't feel a thing. But, like, you know, I'd get hurt with, like, all the color belts trying to throw me. So, like, the only people who didn't hurt me was, like, Dave, um, Shinjiro Sasaki, Mrs. Sasaki. And, like, one of the great things that you're doing, still are, I think, is they're doing research through UCF on, like, martial arts and how it aids people with autism. So they brought in, like, college-age kids who were on the spectrum, and, like, they gave them their own class. And, like, that was their class. Nobody else was allowed in that class if you weren't on the spectrum. And... A good number of them loved it so much that they would start attending the standard classes, like the more open to the other students' classes. I don't want to use the word normal, that's not right. And like, I would volunteer to work with them. Like, I, I, you know, one would find me that would trust me enough, you know, and I was a high enough belt that, you know, they'd feel okay with me. And like, I would allow them to throw me because not for any other reason than they needed to trust, like, it's like I said, like, I needed to learn to trust in what I knew with all the different martial arts I trained in. Like, Knowing a whole shit ton is great, but really being able to trust it is something entirely different. I needed them to have that feeling. Like, I needed to know that they weren't just there, and, like, it wasn't a room full of people that were placating them. And, like, building up this false, unearned sense of confidence in stuff they only think they know. Like, I needed them to throw me. I needed them to prove to themselves that they what, what they were being taught does, in fact, work. So I would allow them to throw me. And yeah, I didn't always land great, and it hurt sometimes, but like, to see the looks on their faces, like the look of shock and accomplishment all mixed up, was like, it was actually one of the greater rewards, you know, and, and I miss that a lot, actually, you know. Where did you, um, because we're tangentially related at this point, right, like, basically, yeah, you, um, you're a blue belt yep. under Jose. Yes. yes. You're, how many stripes have you gotten under Dylan? Three. Three. Yep. How'd you find Dylan? So, Dylan would very sporadically show up at Winter Springs, and it was always at a night that I couldn't make it. Um, I don't remember exactly the turn of events that led to me like starting to shop other schools uh, but Derek it was Derek Derek Kuderberg okay yeah so he's like you know I think he might have reached out on me on Facebook to check it out and he was respectful about it he knew my situation and like you know so he's like you know we certainly wouldn't mind you dropping by and like Derek and I had mixed it up a good bit at Winter Springs okay. and Derek 
at Winter Springs as a blue belt who it was like going up against somebody literally trying to kill you. Like it was very He's matured considerably since then. Oh yeah, a lot. Like and by that time he had just maybe barely gotten his purple belt. I'm like, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get railed the same way I got railed in Winter Springs. And like the evolution of his jujitsu couldn't couldn't be ignored. It really couldn't. It was not nearly as aggressive, but it was so much more technical and so much more smooth and just. It was like the difference with it's the difference between like like using speed and muscle, you know, to to get your technique across versus inherently trusting what's supposed to happen when you when you execute yeah and like I didn't feed into it like everything he did worked organically like there was you know and it was like okay like this is really kind of more the speed like I need to be like and this is really like the level that I really want like there was a draw sure so like I made a very difficult decision to leave Longwood um, and like then and link up with Kajita which I believe happened in 2017 thereabouts which is five years ago right yeah now. yeah you know and like now naturally like people who train more consistently you know are like okay like they're gonna rewind and go wait a minute he got his blue belt in 2015 and he's still a tw- blue belt in 2022 and I don't hear a break in training right well I mean alright so automatically subtract two years from for COVID but um like, in, like injuries started happening because guess what? Through all these really cool and interesting stories, I'm getting older. You know, like, yes. I mean, I lit myself onto the mat for my blue belt test. Like, I wasn't even walking right when I walked in and got promoted to blue belt back then. Same thing for my brown belt in judo. So, like, it was, it's gotten to the point now where I have to be really mindful, like, of what I, what I expose myself to. Like, I have to be more honest with myself, like, once again, unintentional circle back to, like, knowing the difference between being hurt and being injured. Um, And, like, really assessing and being honest with yourself. Like, okay, this isn't going away, this hurts more than maybe it should, so maybe this isn't hurt, maybe this is injured. And I gotta have to stay away. Like, I've broken my nose for the third time, I've broken probably my seventh rib. Um, which all of which is you know my ACL which I was dumb enough to push through and, and train yeah um, don't do that guys by the way yeah no, definitely not recommended um, you know and right now like I'm dealing with a shoulder issue like I've got four individual things wrong with the same shoulder and it's horrible but um, but I'm doing what I'm doing the wise thing and just letting it be and letting it rest and waiting to hear what the doctors say and I know that eventually I'll make a return to it. Like, I'm hoping that, well, it's already been indicated it doesn't need surgery, but um, I'm hoping that I can make a return because I only have a limited amount of time left here, and I want to go out in a way that I won't look back and be upset about it. So that's it. 
what motivates you to stay with Jiu-Jitsu? What motivates you to continue training martial arts in particular instead of seeking other means of wellness? Um, because a lot of people would have given up by now, right? Like yoga, um, you know, just these other means of vehicles for fitness. What what keeps you going? Uh, uh, so, just to backtrack. Oh, funny, funny story. Uh, so, like three years ago, like I was dealing with like my neck and um, a couple of other things. I think my knees. And I had intimated to my doctor at the VA that like I was a jiu-jitsu and a judo player. And he's like, and, he, and this guy, he's a doctor, but he's also a third degree black belt in Taekwondo. Okay. So he, he gets like the martial arts aspect of it. And he's like, maybe you should look at like not doing these things anymore. And I was like, maybe you should kick rocks. And he's like, all right, I get it, touche. Um, but to answer your question, um, I've gotten, oh, in spite of like fabric related accomplishments, um, I've gotten a lot of intangible benefit to uh, from from the sport from from the from the lifestyle really um, I've gotten friends that I wouldn't have otherwise had I mean I'm sitting with one right now yeah um, I've gotten unspoken parables about life throwing you in uncomfortable situations and, and how to kind of regard those like don't panic just breathe analyze, trust, and execute. Like, I learned that on the mats. I didn't learn that from a shrink. I didn't learn it from a teacher. I didn't learn it. It was never a lesson that was spoken to me. It was, even in the Army, like, yeah, they have their, like, kind of cut-and-dry, cookie-cutter way of, like, resolving issues, but, like, this was different like you know because you can't always prepare for everything you know and you can be made uncomfortable in any number of ways in life you know getting like unexpectedly losing your job or you know marital problems or a sick kid or you know you bet on the ponies and you lost whatever you know you find yourself in that place of discomfort it's like okay well rather than like go schizo and make it like have a knee-jerk reaction that you may come to regret later like you have a methodology of a more effective way of like dealing with that situation and maybe bringing it to an end you know um, and of course there's all the other you know intangibles that you can that they advertise at the McDojo's like you can you can walk around in confidence with and like you'll be so much better at interacting with people and like and all those things are still true it's just not marketed as much like there's there's a je ne sais quoi about jujitsu that can't really be found I'll dare say anywhere else that I don't think the criteria for me to have to walk away has been met yet. Awesome. What what motivates you to continue? What what is, what's going to keep you going? Um, Why do you train? Because at this point in in your life and our lives, we're we're sitting in a bar right now. Yeah. We don't need 
the bar fights. We don't need that male uh, hierarchy nonsense, right? Like, what what keeps you training specifically in jiu-jitsu? Well, why are you training? What's what's the motivation? So there's a couple. It's kind of a multi-prong answer to that. So like, there's like I said, there's that je ne sais quoi. Bless you. Um, there's a je ne sais quoi that I'm not finding out in other activities. Like, you know, I've recently gotten back into like doing outdoor things like trail hiking, uh, perhaps a little biking, kayaking, all of which I thoroughly enjoy, but I'm not drawing from those things the same things that I get from on the mats. Um, I mean, I got to sneeze again. Okay. I'm gonna get a tissue, excuse me. Oh, that's quite alright. Apologies, the uh, Southeast Asian allergy to alcohol has definitely kicked in. Oh no. I was looking for the red. Oh, the red's here, buddy. It's just inviting. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's supplementary red, I figured. So you've. Um, as you said, like there's a certain intangibles involved with martial arts, yeah. specifically jiu-jitsu. I'm not finding it on trails. I'm not finding it in a kayak. I'm not finding it at like a rifle range. You know, um, and honestly, like I don't really have a lot of in-house things that I do routinely. Like, I've been I've been studying Russian now for the past six months, like the language, just to kind of. But there, but really, like that is a very linear exchange. Like, it's like, here's the Russian, learn it. Like, speak it, read it, hear it, understand it, interpret it. There's no intangibles. There's no life lessons to be learned in learning a foreign language. Um, you know, so like, and really a lot of, and there's an element of wellness that I can't really, I can't really give it a name. But like, there's a feeling that I get when I walk in, whether it's walking into Kijito or walking, like, on the rare occasion I get to make it down to where you're at. And, like, you know, it's like when you see each other, it's like, hey, man, you know, let's get dressed up, let's tie, let's tie it up, and let's, 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 let's get it in. You know, you, you can't find that in a lot of other places. I dare say you may not even be able to find it anywhere else. So that's forever going to bring me... Even on the days I don't feel like going and I drag myself. It's like, you know, I, I can think of 11 things I'd either rather do or like, to include nothing than, like, take myself to another no-gi class, which I've been doing a lot of lately. Which is also terrible. Yeah, it's, it's, this is a massive course correction of after seven years of not doing enough, nearly enough. But, um, you know, 100% of the time, I leave more grateful for having been there than the amount of resistance to wanting to go at the top of the class. Like, I have a whole ride up to Sanford to talk myself out of it and turn around and take the exit and go home. And I park. And I grab my bag like I always do. I grab my water like I always do. I sit in the same place every time. I shake my stuff off, get on the mat. And it's like right up to the first slap and bump. Like, I may not want to be there. And there's always 
somebody. Not any one particular person, but there's always somebody on the map that makes me glad I showed up. I don't get that in any other, even semi-social interaction with it. I don't get that feeling. Like, is it good to see an old friend after years? Yes, of course. You know, like, what person in the right mind wouldn't feel that way? But there's an element that's not present in that sort of interaction that there is when you walk onto a mat full of people who are happy to see you and ready to make you better and will put up with all of your quirky bullshit and I have no shortage of that you know like I don't know that I could illustrate to you what would be required for me to ever walk away literally like I would probably have to be told like you either gotta stop or it's going to kill you probably I think that would be the requirement. On that note, Scott. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, and no problem. We've been, we, I, I'm, I'm so glad we've been able to catch up after, honestly, too long of a break. Yeah. Um, I feel incredibly guilty about that. We, I, I, I as of, as, as am I. I'm, I'm, it's easy to find excuses, but it's, it's uh, much easier to find good reasons to get together. Well, you're, 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 you're doing what you need to do for a very loving and supportive wife, and you're raising a fine young man. Thank you. And uh, like, you know, there are priorities in life. Yes, as, as there are. Um, we need to make our rounds before you go. Okay. We gotta make our rounds. So um, I'm all up for Jiu-Jitsu field trips. I, I've appointed myself the official Jiu-Jitsu ambassador for ATZ Orlando. Awesome. Awesome. Um, we'll have to get around. Uh, yes. Um, and I don't know, like, if you can if you can manage it. Once I certainly get settled in eight months, like, by all means, come up to Kijito. I'll let you know when I'm back on the mat and yeah. moving around again. Um, not that I should ever be the centerpiece of why you go there, but, um, you know, I'll certainly let you know when I'm clear to train again, when I feel good enough to train again. Um, and we'll get it in at uh, Kijito up Sanford. Um, but most certainly, you would be among my most honored guests to come out and see me in Vancouver. Washington um, at the base. That's what it's called, and they're I, uh, they're affiliated with Checkmat. Um, I have little to no doubt they'd be extremely thrilled to have you, like, bring a new perspective and just enjoy some mat time with some new faces. Thank you. Um, thank you for coming out tonight. Thank you for taking the time to, to share with me again. Well, you know what? As a longtime listener, it's it's been really fun um, hearing what you guys talk about and, like, kind of how, you know, formlessness, like, that it follows. I am really honored that you spend this kind of time and, and actually feature me. This so is the truest BJ Ambrose, so ah, salute, my friend. Salute.